You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, Season 2, Episode 27, Ian Happ Extended. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. And in this segment, Crawley goes behind enemy lines. He interviews with Blake Harris from ESPN LA and the host of Inside the Ravine podcast for Odyssey Sports. All right, baseball fans, we are here for another segment of Behind Enemy Lines today. Myself, Crawley from Fly the W, is going to be talking a little bit about Cubs with Blake Harris from Inside the Ravine's Dodger podcast for Odyssey Sports, and you can find his work on his Substack page. Blake, how's it going? Going going really well. Excited to uh, talk Dodgers-Cubs. That's always, ever since I was a kid, one of the series I always really look forward to, just for some reason, because you have two historic teams. Usually the Cubs fan base always travels well when they come to Dodger Stadium, so those series always have a little extra incentive when they're in town. So looking forward to the series because uh, there's a lot of storylines that Dodgers fans are going to want to be following for this upcoming weekend. I hear you, you know, and and for me, I remember Vince Scully one time reporting on Wrigley Field, describing her as the old dame and the lights as pearls and, you know, fell in love with Vince Scully as any baseball fan would. And then, you know, there was some great matchups in 2016, 2017, as the Cubs went on to win the World Series and as the Dodgers started to really become one of the dominant teams in the NL. And we were, as Cub fans, kind of hoping that we'd have as, you know, do as well as you guys have, but we had to do a little sell-off and, now we're trying to come back in, but uh, last year the Cubs and the Dodgers faced each other seven times, and you guys swept the series seven zero. But but this is a different Cubs team, Blake, since the off season. So hopefully we can put up a better fight than last season. Yeah, I, I was gonna say uh, it'll be interesting to see how the two teams square off again this season compared to what happened last year because you can't really get any better on the Dodgers end. Now if you're the Cubs side. You would hope that you can improve on that somewhat a bit, but I I do think it's going to be a much more competitive series uh, this go-round because, like you said, a much better Cubs team than the one that we saw last season. Now, the last time I really watched any Dodgers baseball was in the postseason. You guys had the bye, and you took on San Diego, and it didn't go your way. Um, what kind of moves did the Dodgers make in the offseason? I mean, like you said, there's not much place to go. What, did, what do you think were some notable maybe additions and then also some notable subtractions? Yeah, so I mean, the Dodgers, they've just become accustomed to being that team that every offseason, they make the big moves, they make the big trades, the big signings. But for the Dodgers standards, this was a very, very quiet offseason. Obviously, they lost guys like Trey Turner, Justin Turner, a few guys that ended up on the Cubs that I'm sure we're going to talk about later. But I, the biggest move probably this offseason was bringing back Clayton Kershaw just because he was still on the fence of returning or he was going to retire, or maybe go to the Texas Rangers. So bringing Clayton Kershaw back for another season was obviously the number one move. 
But outside of that, the Dodgers really just, again, quiet by their standards. They picked up guys like Miguel Rojas, you know, Shelby Miller, guys where I'm sure they're going to contribute at some point this season, but not necessarily, you know, names you come to expect. I guess probably the big splash, the big headline move was the Dodgers signing J.D. Martinez to a one-year deal. He's a former All-Star. Obviously, he won a World Series with the Red Sox a couple seasons ago. So, again, for a lot of other teams, that would be like... You're having a press conference. This is the move of the offseason. But for the Dodgers, a quiet one-year move. Again, a very interesting offseason because clearly they wanted to shed some salary, get under that salary cap, maybe because they want to make a push in 2024 for a mega free agent. But yeah, overall, uh, nothing really else to report on that front from the Dodgers this offseason. Yeah, that's what people are worried about is maybe you guys are shedding salary for the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. That would be something. I heard I I don't know where I saw this. I think it was maybe like a Bleach Report notification, and I don't know if you. I mean, you actually probably did see this the other day. Is that it had the Cubs as a potential sneaky move? Maybe it was like Buster Olney or something. But I saw that the Cubs as a potential sneaky suitor for Shohei. So I thought that was a little interesting because I I didn't even have them on the radar. Yeah, that was Bob a piece by Bob Nightingale, and uh, he had the Cubs down as a sleeper, but we've also heard from uh, John Heyman, who appears on 670 The Score, um, and an Odyssey Baseball Insider, that, that you know, really, it's doubtful. Um, you know, who knows? The, the, the reason Shohei gets kind of thrown around is that the last time when he was entering the market, MLB market, he only wanted to visit West Coast teams as far as being close to Japan, but Chicago was the one team that he did interview with. So we have Seiya Suzuki, who was teammates with him. And, you know, Seiya got injured before the WBC uh, oblique injury. And so he was joking that he was going to try to recruit Shohei here. So who knows where do things are happening? But for the Cubs, they actually did get to spending after a few years of kind of sleepwalking through a couple seasons, you know, in uh, 2021 in the second half, they all the players from the 2016 team pretty much were all, uh, shipped off elsewhere, lost Chris Bryant, lost Anthony Rizzo, lost Javi Baez. This season, Wilson Contreras went to the Cardinals. That's going to be very interesting when he comes to town. That, that rival will be, rivalry will be stoked a little bit more. But uh, the Cubs were in on a shortstop. And so we have Dansby Swanson now. You know, you guys are familiar with him with your battles with the Braves. But boy, he's really been exciting to watch these first couple uh, series that we've seen him. And then we had a really great shortstop in Nico Horner, but we think he's even going to be better at second base. So just seeing those two guys up the middle has been a lot of fun. The Cubs have a lot of uh, one-year prove-it deals. You know, Trey Mancini uh, from the Baltimore, and he was traded to Houston last season. So we have Trey Mancini. We have Eric Hosmer. Uh, and then uh, Tucker Barnhart are all guys that are pretty much on very short-term deals. So there's a lot of guys that have incentive to try to do well. And if they do well, the Cubs have talked about adding. And if they don't do well, they're going to be good pieces to flip. And and hopefully that's the last time we're flipping because it's kind of gotten a little bit old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, I really do like what the Cubs have done because it seems like it's a win-win situation. Either all these one-year contracts work out and you guys end up making a postseason push with all of them. And then at the end of the season, all right, it, it was a great run. We'll shed some salary and bid thee farewell. Or mm. if things just hit the fan, unfortunately, like you said, you ship them off get some, you know, prospects in return and just hope for the best next season. So I really thought the Cubs had a really solid offseason. I'm still upset about the Dansby Swanson move just because I was hoping the Dodgers were going to make a move in him. I didn't think they were. I thought maybe because of the whole Freddie Freeman connection, maybe that would maybe give them a little edge. But yeah, so far, I mean, again, it's been like, what, two weeks since the season started, but I don't think you could have asked for a better start for him. 
No. And, and one guy I did leave out on purpose, one that you know very well, Cody Bellinger in center field. You know, I know he was MVP at one time and he's had some injuries and struggled. But I'll tell you that, you know, for some teams, just certain positions kind of like you just don't have a lot of high end, like, like historical talent for Cubs center fielder center field has always been a position. You know, if you asked me to name a third baseman, a first baseman, a right fielder, I could boom, boom, boom center field. You really can't think of any great Cubs center fielder. So whether Cody Bellinger ever returns to MVP form that that's yet to be seen, but I'll tell you, it's just really nice to see a guy that can play defense that reads the ball off the bat, good routes, especially with Wrigley, which is a really tough ballpark to play in. Yeah, with Cody Bellinger, this is kind of the thing that I was trying to tell Dodgers fans, especially last season, but especially when the Cubs made the move, I was trying to let Cubs fans know. You just kind of have to accept that the MVP Cody Bellinger, you know, is long gone. He's not going to be hitting 40 home runs. He's not going to be one of the, you know, the best power hitters in baseball. But defensively, I mean, you've, again, probably seen it in these first couple weeks. You're getting a guy that is capable of winning a gold glove this season. His speed is still elite. If you could just get average production at the plate like post a 100 wrc plus get some stolen bases in there have him draw some walks maybe cut the strikeouts down a little that's a player that you're going to be very very happy about again if you can temper those expectations a little which again i i looked at his numbers you know entering today's game i think he actually hit a home run today if that i saw the clip on twitter right so he's hit a couple homers already but I, I did see the numbers were down a bit but again it's been two weeks so again just hope for that league average slash line and uh, you'll be more than okay with that. And Wrigley is not a fun place to hit. Luckily, we've actually kind of bumped into some warm weather this week, but like that first weekend series against Milwaukee, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, and it's 30 degrees with the wind blowing in. Not a fun place to hit. Now, not only did we pay Cody Bellinger $20 million, but we're also paying your backup center fielder, right fielder, Jason Hayward, to be playing out there. How's he doing for you guys? Yeah, when, when the Dodgers made that move, I remember like back in December, minor league contract, I was thinking, I could have sworn this guy retired. Like I, I thought he was out of baseball, did not know he was still going for it. Obviously, a minor league deal, you're like, okay, we'll see what happens. And then entering spring training, like in the first week, Dave Roberts said he had already earned a spot on the roster. And I was kind of like, I mean... He hasn't really proven anything, but the hype he was getting, you know, in the backfields was something. And in the first couple of weeks, he's looked really good. He's looked like the Jason Hayward of old. The last few games has kind of slowed down a bit, but I don't know if you saw this, but about a week ago, he had a home run that was 113 miles an hour off the bat, which is the second hardest hit ball in the StatCast area uh, for Jason Hayward. I'm sure with the Braves, you know, a decade ago, he had some balls a little bit harder, but the fact that he's hitting the ball hard defensively, he still has enough juice where he's been making some incredible plays. So again, I'll believe it if he's able to keep this up for a couple more months, if the Dodgers pulled off their magic again, but he's been a pleasant surprise so far. And I'm sure you can attest to this, everything that's been reported about how good of a guy he is in the clubhouse. I was at Dodger stadium last week in the clubhouse and he was a great guy. So having that veteran presence, I think for a Dodgers team that lost so much of it this past off season, I think that's going to be the most important thing. Now, if he puts up some solid numbers, I think that's going to be an added bonus. But again, I think having that veteran, having a guy that's, you know, gotten a lot of postseason experience in your clubhouse. Uh, I think that's monumental, especially considering how many rookies the Dodgers have coming in this year. Yeah. You know, with, with Jason Hayward, it was a big contract for the Cubs is seven year deal. And he just never even came close to living up to it. I mean, the thing he's most famous for is the rain delay speech in game seven of the world series. But as far as baseball production, 
Never a lot, but I mean, you know, to have, see when you're, if you're talking about a role where he's a backup and he's a guy that can, you know, be a good veteran presence and great leadership, absolutely the right fit. But if he, you know, if you need offensive production from him, if you're relying on that, just wasn't going to happen, but he's still doing great stuff here. He's set up a baseball Academy in the West side of Chicago, still somebody that's very beloved and very respected. And, 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 you know, I'm only going to wish him the West, you know, the best, you know, as long as it's just not against the Cubs, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's a great Com- dude. Completely agree. Hope he uh, hits 500 the rest of the season. But this weekend, if he goes over six, you're, you're not going to shed a tear about that. Right. And so you do got Clayton Kershaw going and that guy just keeps seeming to always dig into the fountain of youth, always seems to have good stuff. But the guy that scares me the most is the guy that we're facing on Sunday and that's Julio Urias. And I was joking around. I was talking to my partner today. I said, do you remember he was, he pitched in 2016 in the postseason. That's six years ago, and the guy's only 26. I mean, he's just getting better with age. It, it's so weird to think about how he made his debut so long ago, like you said, 2016. And the dude is literally only 26 years old. Like, all these mega free agent uh, starting pitchers, they get these contracts. They always get them when they're like 29, 30, 31 Julio's going to be 27 when he's entering his free agency year. And the crazy thing is, I actually talked about this a few podcasts ago on Inside the Ravine, is the fact that me as a Dodgers fan, I still think he's insanely underrated. Like when I was at the game again last uh, Tuesday night, I think, against the Rockies, he threw, I think, six scoreless innings, struck out six, didn't walk anybody. And it kind of didn't even phase me. It was just like, that's another Julio start. Like, it didn't really wow me. It's just because he's so consistent. He's so good. He's not going to be like a Jacob deGrom who's going to strike out 12 and, you know, walk nobody and take a no-hitter into the 7th or 8th. But Julio, the fact that he's really lived up to the hype because this was a guy when he made his debut at 19, was expected to be this superstar pitcher, had a few injuries that kind of derailed that. But, yeah, what he's done these last couple of seasons, the most consistent left-handed starter, I think, in all of baseball. And, uh, yeah, uh, best of luck uh, on Sunday if that's who the Cubs lineup has to face. <laughs> because he has been so good this year. I think he has a 1.5 ERA through the first three starts. His strikeout rate is like the highest of his career so far. So he's actually somehow getting better, uh, like, a, again, in year seven or year eight, even though he's only 26. Yeah, he's 3-0, and 20, 20 Ks in 18 innings. So, I mean, he's just rolling. We got uh, Drew Smiley going up. Um, he had a really good second half for us last year. He's been a little – we've had a couple guys. We, our top two starters – have, have been really good so far this season. And that's been uh, Marcus Stroman who pitched today. He got, he got the loss, but he only gave up two runs. And then uh, Justin Steele's a young lefty and you guys are going to see him on Friday. Um, you know, as far as the pitcher that, you know, Noah Syndergaard, I remember him in 2015 in the NLCS against the Mets. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if he still got the gas on the fastball like he used to. Uh, not quite. Uh, if he tops 94 miles an hour at this rate, that seems like it's, it's going to be a success. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I like the move when I initially heard it because we saw what the Dodgers did last year with Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney. So far, the Mark Pryor magic has yet to work on Noah Syndergaard. 
Uh, one of our listeners calls it the Mark Pryor wizard magic, but uh, hasn't worked yet. So Noah Syndergaard, he's pretty much relying on all of his off-speed stuff now, which is still, you know, upper 80s, lower 90s, but hasn't hasn't been pretty. He got roughed up in his last outing, was pretty bad during the spring. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to bounce back because he did have a great start, you know, at the beginning of the year against the D-backs. I think he allowed only one run, six innings. So he's a, he's a guy I, I don't know how to read. I don't know, you know, what exactly you're going to get for him. Uh, earlier this spring, he said he wants to hit 100 again. I think Bob Nightingale even reported that he had already touched 97, 98, which, of course, then you see him, he's five miles an hour lower. So I don't know if it's the Nightingale curse on that. But uh, I have hope. I have faith that he's going to turn it around. But, yeah, Noah Syndergaard, he, he's a wild card in the Dodgers rotation, I think, currently. Now, you guys got some injuries. Tony Godslin looked really good last year, and obviously Walker Bueller with, the, you know, with those super, you know, <laughs> That guy's just crazy, but you know how how has the rotation been holding up? I, I know we're facing Michael Grove, I want to say on Saturday, and I'm not too familiar with him. Yeah, the best I can give you on Michael Grove is that he's essentially the Dodgers' number seven starter. So Tony Gonsolin, he got hurt a freak ankle injury in spring. It wasn't even like during the game, and he's still going to miss more time. So once he got hurt, the Dodgers actually were, were going to turn to rookie Ryan Pepio, a guy that we've had on our show and we're really high on. He's a guy that I think is in the top 100 prospects list on pretty much every outlet out there, and literally... On opening day, he was placed on the injured list, I think, with an oblique injury. I want to say maybe a groin injury, but that came out of nowhere because he literally made a spring training start a couple days prior. So, Michael Grove, come on down. Uh, doesn't have much experience at the AAA level. The Dodgers called him up last year from AA, and uh, it's been a rough start to his season so far. So, if you're the Cubs and you're hoping for offense, because like you said, they're having to face Julio... Um, Michael Grove might be your best chance at scoring some runs because he's not a strikeout pitcher and he allows a lot of contact. So, yeah, uh, take the over in whatever game he's starting against the Cubs. Probably. Well, we got Jamison Tyone on the mound against Michael Grove, and uh, he, he's had two starts. One, the first one wasn't very good. The second one, he was the victim of some bad defense. Uh, you know, the Cubs have really kind of made defense the focus. They got a lot of gold glovers this year. But there was a lot of errors, and I think that kind of hurt him in general. So this third start, I think, is really going to be one that a lot of Cub fans are going to be looking closely at. Obviously, you know, a lot of us have this game with Michael Grove circled as a chance for the Cubs to win one against the Dodgers. So Tyone's going to have to kind of do that. But, you know, he's, he did great work with the Yankees, and the Cubs think that they can un unlock a little bit more. Uh, the Cubs have a really good pitching infrastructure, and our pitching coach, Tommy Hadovy, is very well regarded. So hoping to kind of take Jamison Tyone the next level. But, you know, nobody's hitting the panic button after two starts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, th that's the thing we have to remind ourselves as baseball fans is that it's so early in the season. And after, again, two starts, after two weeks of hitting, you do want to hit the panic button. Whereas, you know, guys are being fan like Dansby Swanson, you know, you're thinking, okay, he's going to be great the rest of the season, but you know, for a fact, there's going to be like a two week stretch in August where he's like one for 25. It's just more magnified at the beginning of the season. Cause you're expecting so much. It's like the sky's falling if things are going wrong. So like you said, only two starts. I'm sure all these guys, they're going to be a lot better. At least we can hope, you know, for our sake on our teams, they'll be a little better moving forward. Now, two guys that, of course, have Cub fans, uh, you know, a little bit nervous, gnashing their teeth. Freddie Freeman is just absolutely, you know, I mean, what else can you ask for in a ball player? And then to have to sit there and kind of face Mookie Betts, that's another, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful combination. And those guys are off to good starts as usual. 
Yeah, that's a one-two punch that I just would not want to face if I was an opposing pitcher because Mookie Betts, I mean, he's as consistent as you can get. I mean, he's been fantastic so far for the Dodgers. I mean, it, it kind of seems like, again, Mookie has been so good. He's just flying under the radar this year, it feels. I mean, if you look at his numbers, it'd be a career year for any other player, but for him, it's just another go-around. And Freddie Freeman, I mean, I got to see him a lot when he was with the Braves. You know, you got to see him a decent share. But having him in a Dodger uniform, seeing him on a day-to-day basis, I really do think, overall as a hitter, he's one of the three to five best pure hitters in all of baseball because what he's able to do with the plates, I mean, it, it is really incredible. Anytime he gets out... It's like, wow, how, how did they manage to do that? Or anytime he strikes out or swings at a pitch outside of the zone, you're like, wow, this pitcher needs to go in the Hall of Fame because they got Freddie Freeman to chase. So both those guys at the top of the Dodgers lineup, they've been so good. They've been so consistent. So uh, I, I'm very happy that they have uh, at least another five years together with those contracts the Dodgers gave them. Unbelievable. And, and the Cubs have been giving out some contract extensions lately. Today they extended Ian Happ. And uh, before the season started, Nico Horner and Nico Horner is a guy that just it, it's interesting because he doesn't get a lot of national press, but he's just he's been a really good leadoff, probably our best leadoff hitter since we had Dexter Fowler in those on that 2015, 2016 teams. And you're going to see him there. They're just a great double play combination. So you're taking a look at the defense up the middle. you got Jan Gomes catching. you got Swanson and Horner up the middle. And then you have Cody Bellinger in center. And so the Cubs are really focusing on run prevention. But one thing I'm really interested in is that, you know, I just always think about all, all those West Coast ballparks seem to be very, you know, very large outfields. And so Nico is really one of those slappy type hitters. And I think he's going to, he's going to be a pest for you guys uh, when, when he gets to, when he gets to uh, Dodger stadium. The Cubs just seem to have so many guys where like the casual baseball fan probably won't, you know, know who they are. But they have so many guys where I'm like, if this all can come together, like with Nico, he's a guy where I had as like a potential all-star candidate if things go well for him this season. And again, if you were to ask the average baseball player, they'd probably not know who that is. So I'm excited to see, you know, this Cubs team where a lot of fans kind of just have written them off because this isn't the Cubs team of six or seven years ago. They're a rebuilding team, but they got some names in that lineup. Um, I don't know how you guys are doing injury-wise right now, but I'm assuming everyone should be good to go for this weekend. So I think it's going to be a good one. Well, that should that, that, that's the interesting piece because we do have one person that's been injured, and that's Seiya Suzuki. He has not started so far, and that's really kind of been a hole defensively in right field because we really didn't have a backup uh, outfielder. So Seiya is supposed to come back at some point in time in this Cubs West Coast road trip. So he hit a home run today for the iCubs, which is our AAA affiliate. And the hope is, is that, you know, who knows, it may be he starts one of the Dodgers games. If not, then he'll he'll meet up with the team with Oakland. But from from what he said today after the game, looks like all systems go. So I'm really then the Cubs will be at, at close to full strength as you can get. They got a couple relievers that are nicked up and coming back. But in general, you know say has been the one injury that's really affected us as opposed to you guys who seem to, you know, that injury to Gavin Lux, I was just, just the weirdest freak injury I ever seen. Yeah. I, I still can't understand it just because a guy's trying to avoid a tag at third base and that leg got completely shattered. And it's the fact it, I mean, it sucks as a whole because you never want to see a guy get hurt. You never want to see a guy crying, you know, getting carted off the field 
the next day he was crying in his interview. But it's just the fact that, you know, he's waited his turn for so long. I think he came up and made his debut in 2019. And he's essentially been like the Dodgers top prospect going back to like 2017. But there was just never room for him at shortstop because he was behind Corey Seager. Then he was behind Manny Machado that one year. Then obviously Seager, then Trey Turner. And it's like, wow, you've waited so long. It's finally your chance. And, you know, you tear your ACL and every other thing. So I... That's got to take a toll so much on a guy. I, I can't imagine it. And from a baseball perspective, it really hurt the Dodgers big time because now they're having to rely on Miguel Rojas and Chris Taylor, where with how they're currently looking at the plate, I feel like if you and I were taking some bats in a live game, we would probably have the same shot they would have having to hit because it's ugly right now. I think Chris Taylor's hitting below 100. Miguel Rojas, he might be hitting slightly above 100. Uh, things have not been great. So that Gavin Lux injury... I think was probably as costly of an injury as you could have had on the entire team because obviously if you were to lose a Freddie Freeman or a Mookie Betts, like that's a big, big, big hurt. But the Dodgers have someone that they can replace at that position. At shortstop, they have no one in the minors. And again, they have Chris Taylor and Miguel Rojas who have been awful. So it'll be interesting to see how they're able to uh, fill that void the rest of the season because it's been bad so far. So again, you, you know, the Dodgers didn't make a ton of move in free agency. J.D. Martinez looks a little bit resurgent. And, and the thing I think about with J.D. Martinez is that if he has to be your number one or two option, that's not good. But if you're telling me he's your number three, four hitter, that's more where he is in his career. So he kind of fits in with the Dodgers really nice. I've always been a fan of J.D. Martinez. I just knew he would never become a Dodger because, one, of the whole DH rule. But even then, once the NL adopted the DH, the Dodgers were against having an everyday DH. They wanted to rotate guys. They wanted to shuffle guys. So when I saw that they signed him, I was, like, blown away. I was like, wow, we're just going against everything we've been saying for the last couple of years. But I think you said it perfectly. If J.D. Martinez is your, like, number one hitter, I mean, I'm sure there are far worse options out there for some bottom barrel teams, but ideally you would want someone else. If he's your number three or number four hitter, I think that's fantastic. And so far this season, I think, you know, last I heard he was leading the National League in extra base hits. He's looking really solid at the plate. So, so far it's been a really, really good move by the Dodgers. And again, one year, I think for 10 million or something like that, uh, really can't complain because it's, it's another much needed bat in the Dodgers lineup. Well, it's going to be a fun one for us. It's going to be some late nights and a lot of coffee for you guys. You know, we have a, we have a strong contingent of Cub fans that are out in Hollywood that always liked, I know Bob Newhart's always been out there, Bonnie Hunt, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. We got, we got a lot of Chicago-based guys out there who really enjoy going. I know they rent a, a box at, at Dodger Stadium. I've never been there. It's on my bucket list to get out, get out and see the park, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward in. Like I said, I just want the Cubs to be able to compete really well and take a couple games from the Dodgers after last year's disaster. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, I think you can only go up from here. You would you would think that one game. I mean, if you win one game, that's already a much better much better season than the year prior. So I'm hoping for a competitive series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, Cody Bellinger, that's going to be a fun, warm welcome for Dodger fans. And another one as well. Edwin Rios makes his uh, return to Dodger Stadium as well. So there's going to be a couple guys that uh, are going to get warm standing ovations from Dodgers fans. You know, he hasn't gotten a lot of at-bats yet. He has, he does have a home run, two-run blast. But, man, that kid has some pop. I saw him in spring training, and he was hitting him over the berm. So that, that was fun to watch. It, I am still upset that the Dodgers did not bring him back. I will say, for Cubs fans, be patient because Edwin Rios, I don't know if this number is still true, but at the time of... 
you know, when he got hurt last year with the Dodgers, I believe he had like either the highest home run rate in baseball history, like home runs per at bat, or it was just slightly behind Babe Ruth. <laughs> this guy can hit homers like no one I've seen before. The issue is he's just he gets hurt a lot and his strikeout rate is really high. But even then, like what I'm looking at his numbers this season, only eight at bats. He's one for eight, but he has an OPS plus of 110. So he's going to be a great player if he's able to stay healthy. And again, there might be 10 to 15 homers this year where you sit back and go, yeah, that thing uh, definitely landed on the street because that's not in the stadium. Out of curiosity, how is he on defense? Because again, I think he's pretty much DH for most of the most of his time here. So that's pretty much, I think, the reason why the Dodgers didn't bring him back was because defensively he wasn't great. He was also behind Justin Turner at third base and then Freddie Freeman at first base. So I don't know if they have him playing anywhere other than third and first. But yeah, DH seems like the move just because, again, defensively, let's just say there are better options out there than Edwin Rios. Well, Blake, I really appreciate you, you know, coming on here and talking some Dodgers with me. And, and I hope you got a little bit of info on the Cubs, some intel that you can pass along to your uh, the readers of your, your sub stack. And, uh, you know, if you ever come out to Wrigley, hit me up, man, and we'll, I'll show you a good time around here. I, I definitely will. Last time I was at Wrigley was about 15 years ago before all these renovations. So I need to make it back. I need to catch another game there. And I also don't really remember much of it. I think I was in one of those spots where you're sitting like behind a pole and you can't really <laughs> see a whole lot. So yeah, definitely need to come back. And yeah, I'm hoping it's a fun series this week. And I'm hoping it's a competitive series. And like for your sake, maybe, maybe not this series, but I hope the Cubs just can get at least one. Get at least one and build some momentum uh, towards next season. Then maybe in 2024, they can get two wins and just uh, keep building momentum from there. Maybe we have some repeats of 2016, 2017. What do you think, Blake? Well, hey, I'm if it's the 2017 outcome, sign me up. Sign me up. But the, and I'll, the, I'll take I will the 2016 the, one. <laughs> I will say the 2016 outcome, given the circumstances, even looking back at it, you can't be too upset because of what happened. You know, it's like, okay, they're doing something that, Pretty much every fan has never actually witnessed in person, so we'll allow it. We'll we'll let this one slide. But yeah, give me the 2017 version, uh, if that's my preference. Sounds good, Blake. Thank you so much for jumping on, and we'll talk to you later, bud.